And now I'd like to introduce our speaker for today who has a wonderful message on Mother's Day for us. Welcome, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Good morning and welcome. And happy Mother's Day. So as um, is our tradition, if you've... Uh, anybody here for the first time? Well, there we go. They're all in the front row, too. Look at that. Awesome. Are you here for the first time? What's your name? What is it? Jeannie? Welcome. Awesome. Did you come with your mom, or did you come alone? Came with your mom? Okay. She what? She came alone. Her sister said she came alone. Okay. All right. Thank you, ladies. Well, Welcome. So I just want to let you know what we do is we sing a song now and then I say a prayer. And so I invite people if they'd like, and you're welcome to stay seated. Some people like to stand. And either way is great, <clears throat> as long as you're in the room. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit In this very room In this very room In this very room And so what I invite you to know with me in this moment And as Elizabeth so beautifully expressed Prayer is powerful what I know in this moment as I shift and change my awareness and my way of being is the beauty and the joy of prayer. And so I open myself and I invoke into my life the qualities and the vibration of the Most High that I seek to experience and to know and to live from. This is my choice. And so you and I in this moment get to decide how we will be together and how we will look at our attitudes and our ways of being and the biases and the, and the experiences that we had in our lives and how we shift the perception so that those memories, whatever they are, become something that fuels our journey forward rather than something that, that restricts our experience of life. And so I give thanks in this moment to stand in, the, in this truth with you, to stand in this teaching with you and understand that the, the beautiful words of, of this amazing teacher 2,000 years ago it is done unto you as you believe. And so my opportunity and your opportunity is to look at what I have been believing. Look out in my life and decide, does this work for me or not? And decide if it does, wonderful. And if it doesn't, I will change. I will be transformed. It is in the renewing of the mind. So we are here today on this Mother's Day to celebrate mothers, to celebrate the divine feminine that lives in all people, whether they are male or female and to give birth to the newness that that possibility, that energy, that activity allows us. 
For this I give thanks. I know that every good thing necessary for each and every one of us this day to be supported, loved, and resourced in a more powerful and deeper and more impactful way in our lives is here now. And I access that by getting out of the way and saying yes. That's for me. For this I give thanks and I invite you to say with me, and so it is, amen. Well, we have on Mother's Day a wonderful opportunity to do a christening. And our christenings are not really long, but I want you to invite you to be part of this today because it really is about a blessing and, a, and a acknowledging uh, divinity within this young man that we're going to christen today. But it's also an activity that I believe we can do all the time, not just today. So I'm going to invite Sandra and uh, Doug to come on up with James. And they're going to join me at the stage. All right, perfect. So, in metaphysics, we're a metaphysical teaching, the christening is, number one, about honoring the creative process. Number two, about dedicating ourselves to live in principle of divine and eternal wisdom. And number three, to recognize always the wholeness and completeness of this young man and the eternal spirit we celebrate as James Phillips. We're also here to realize there is no sin there is, there is nothing to purify, clarify, or cleanse. This child here and now is a living embodiment of the innocence, the love, and the life of spirit itself. Spirit is the creator of all life, is the author of all life, has so given life to this boy, the Christ consciousness abides at the heart and soul of James, as it does for all of us. Who else but spirit could create such a miracle of life? So I'm going to ask Sandy and Doug... I'm going to ask you, will you both nurture and raise James Charlie Phillip, Robert Phillips? And I'm going to invite the godparents to come on up. I'm going to invite Chris and Henry and Sheila to come on up. Can I come? Sure, come on up. <laughs> Anybody else want to come up? <laughs> Why don't you guys all come up here and then I'll, I'll stand down there. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, let's bring the whole family up. Come on. See what you started? Now you're not coming up? All right, he just wanted to get everybody up here, and then he wanted to sit there and watch. I know, all right. We are here today to be aware of the grandeur of life and to know that we, we are all expressions of that life. And the role of your child is of great significance, all of our children. Be aware of who and what James is. He is a unique expression of life and of God. And Sandy and Doug, you have the magnificent divine responsibility to all the family members here. To forever know the truth that within your son James is the whole and perfect idea of the life that he already is. Within James lives his own special genius and his unique self. Parents are the instruments through which the idea comes forth into physical form. But spirit is the creator, not mom and dad. Parents are for the purpose of helping their child awaken to their own self-sufficiency and completeness. Parents are there to teach through example. For we are always directing the law of subconscious mind according to what we are doing and the way we are doing it. Parents and godparents are responsible to facilitate their child's learning, that all-important all, that all truth of life, that eventually we must all stand on our own two feet and individually be responsible for creating our own lives. So parents, I invite you to remember Sandy and Doug. Don't do James' thinking for him and don't do his work for him. Trust him. Allow him to have his own experience. 
Be self-aware and see through the eyes of your own spirit self to the spirit self of James. Provide the ways for James to live in creative ways. Use positivity, love, the necessary discipline without imposing yourselves on James, which is a fine art that we're all as parents learning. Remember that James is here to challenge you both to learn the new ways to love, live, and learn. And James is also your teacher and our teacher, as our children are. And remind James often that we are not here to compete or to compare ourselves to others, but to be, our, but to be ourselves. Cahil Gibran had this to say on children. Our children are not our children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls. For their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not, not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite. And he bends you with his might that his arrows might go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves the bow that is stable. So I, I ask you both, Sandy and Doug, do you pledge yourselves to provide young James with the opportunity to grow spiritually, to become increasingly aware of God's presence within him, and to know the experience of God's love and protection is always provided? All right. James, all of us here, the spirit that is around us and in you and all of your family and friends here, we dedicate you to a home of harmony and the home of God. I christen you in the name of the divine spirit in whom you live, move, and have your being, now and always. And to members of this audience, I ask you to continue to see James and Sandra and, and Doug, to see these individuals as unique and wonder-filled, and to see one another that way as well. Expressions of divine spirit, not just today, but each time you see Sandy or James and young J or Douglas and, and young James in person, or find yourself thinking of this occasion and this family, to remember their divinity. Will you do that? Yes. Let us all join in the consciousness of blessing this beautiful family and James in this moment by knowing the truth. And so what I know as I offer my prayer from my heart, recognizing the one spirit that is present here today and knowing that that which we say we become. And so I know for James as I speak these words and, and offer my consciousness in this, his yes is all that is required. One life, spirit's life, in and through and as all of life. And so I give thanks this day to invoke and to stand together in this community of love, this community of light, and to bless this soul that has traveled so far for so long to be with us today. To recognize his divinity as we recognize it for him, we own it and recognize it in ourselves. For that which we are looking for, we are looking with. And so I just give thanks for this beautiful day, for this beautiful family, that in so many, so many ways is a beautiful touchstone on this Mother's Day of the ever expansion and creation and possibility and potentiality of life. So I know for young James, great, a great future, a great life, 
that his growth and his learning is clearly laid out before him in ways that challenge and stretch and blossom him in a powerful, wonderful way. And so I know that Spirit is already activated by this invocation and it is the opportunity for Sandy and Doug and all of the loved ones around James to support him in doing his 50% of his life, choosing wisely, choosing healthfully, and allowing the abundance and the joy of life to be his experience. For this I give thanks, knowing it is already done in the mind of the one. I invite you all to say with me, and so it is. Amen. Thank you all. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you are most welcome. All right. Congratulations. Thank you, James. And you too. We're getting everybody up here. Good job. Oh, picture. Picture time. You can stay up here if you want. <laughs> He's thinking about it. All right. Awesome. It's always nice to be able to do this, especially on Mother's Day. Because it really, it's such a beautiful ceremony about what, realizing what it, it, our opportunity is as people that say that we agree that there's a spiritual component to life. And so how do we bring that into our, our daily affairs and how do we share that with one another and support one another? And it's, it's, such, a, um, it's such a beautiful experience. I wanted to share with you, you know, over the years I've tried to, uh, I, I've, I've made Mother's Day very personal at times. And, and what's happened is I've had people come up to me and, and tell me that, you know, that wasn't my experience of my mother. So I'm not going to talk about mothers, mothers today because everybody's had a different experience of mothers and pretty much everyone here has had a mother. And, and everybody's experience with it has been different. In fact, I'm reminded, I saw an article this week that said that no, there's nothing more enjoyable than, than um, c- constructive criticism for the person that's offering the, the criticism. And I thought, I can relate to that because I've, I've had an opportunity for that input on Mother's Day. So, but what I do want to talk about is the divine feminine. Because the divine feminine is an activity and it's an, al- it's an aliveness. And, we, and if we track our spirituality, it's, a, it's an experience and a possibility for all of us. And so the, the, uh, the aspects of, of the divine feminine, up until about 2,500 years B.C., before the Common Era, which is, is, is typically marked by the birth of, uh, and death of Jesus of Nazareth, it was the divine feminine that really operated and moved the, the planet and the consciousness forward. And within all cultures, there was a, um, a, a goddess energy. There's wonderful information out there. There's a great book called When God Was a Woman and uh, uh, things of that nature. But the, the divine feminine is still alive on the planet. And if we go back through history, the divine feminine is the goddess in all traditions. And it has been since the beginning of time. These traditions are mystical, they're magical, they're powerful, they're part of the primal Mother Earth, and they symbolize the balance and healing, renewal, and restoration. Balance, healing, renewal, and restoration. As many of you know, I was in Brazil, I was in Brazil for two weeks with John of God, and I've been talking about that a little bit each week, and we're going to do another um, information session. We're going to go back in November, 
and it was uh, one of the most beautiful transcendent experiences I've ever had in my life. And I've been in a number of environments with a number of, uh, of uh, people. One of the things that made it so potent was the collective. There's people there, there are about 300 and 250 to 350 people sitting in meditation, what they call the current there throughout the day. And uh, the first day I was there, uh, I went before the John of God, who, who was, uh, he doesn't call himself John of God, by the way, he calls himself uh, Medium Chowau. Um, but other people call him John of God. And anyway, he's, it's a long story, but he becomes the, the portal for a, a, an entity, as they say, a spirit. And, but it's the environment of unconditional love as people sit in meditation that becomes so, so potent. Without that environment, without that current, he's not able to do what he does. So it's a collective. And in that current is what I would call the third kingdom of consciousness, which is co-creation. Because what it is, it's without opinion, it's without thought, it's without the, 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 the personal biases. It's actually an experience energetically of what Dr. Holmes uh, taught and talked about. Our founder was Dr. Ernest Holmes. His picture is over there saying there's a power in the universe that you can use and it's available to you, available to everyone. But what Holmes talked about was I foresee a day when people will come to our meetings and they will receive the healing that they're looking for just by simply entering the doors. So he understood the potency of consciousness. It's a healing consciousness. It's a vibrational tone. And so what we do is we have spiritual practices that work and support us in, in, in building that consciousness. So, number one, the reason that, that we're drawn here, one of the reasons that, that you know, Sandy, we just did the, the, the um, uh, christening for, for James, and one of the reasons that someone like Sandy is drawn here is because she realizes, first and foremost, that all of us are on a, on a, on a journey. We're all on a spiritual journey. And, it's to, and what it is is higher consciousness. What happens is we shift and change energetically, then, then our vibrational tone changes. And as I said, Abba Jandi was a, 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 an example of that. That's why I want to go back with a group of people to have people experience it because it was so powerful and sweet. And, um, you know, Dr. Roger Thiel, who's, who's the, uh, has my role in, in the Mile High Church in Denver, this is his fifth trip. He just keeps going back because it's just incredibly powerful. So number one, we agree that we're on this journey of consciousness and the expansion of it, which is awareness, which is the divinity within us. Number two, the awareness, and we build that awareness through meditation, contemplation, through forgiveness, and through gratitude. Very important, important components of that. Number three, we, we need to ask for guidance, and we need to ask for help. And number four is to ask for the guide, is to sit and listen and be quiet. A lot of the experience in Brasilia, you're just in meditation. You're sitting in the meditation in that current, because the work's done in the current. And it's, the work's still being done. I feel it all the time. Laura's, Laura senses it. Laura and I get up every morning, we do our forgiveness prayer, and then we sit in the meditation. And, and um, she said, you know, I feel it. And I said, I do too. It's still with me. And so as we have this, the, the conversation, my, my offering is, my prayer is, is that, that that becomes a bit of your experience in a more uh, potent way because what happens is that, that we become ambassadors for that experience. But it's not an intellectual process. And so what, the beautiful thing about the divine feminine is, is that it it's, it's represents love. It represents understanding. It represents compassion, insight, intuition, creativity, forgiveness, healing, and wisdom. Once again, love, understanding, compassion, insight, intuition, creativity, forgiveness, healing, and wisdom. 
which if you do the study the work of Marcia Sutton, who, the co-creation process that I've been so enrolled in the last year and a half, the, the, the portal to that is forgiveness and gratitude. And so when we find ourselves stuck in that second kingdom of, of consciousness, which is um, my opinions and, and manifestation and uh, all the things that go along with that, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. It's just simply a place that we can identify and say, oh, there I am again in that kingdom. I want to move into the third kingdom. So I was saying earlier that I don't think I would have been guided to that if I hadn't made the commitment over the last year and a half to do my own uh, spiritual practice to clean my consciousness so I, could have, so I could step into that third kingdom. Because I want to live in the third kingdom of consciousness, which is the, the co-creation, which is then my intuition is finely tuned and I'm guided and directed that you become that vehicle, as it says in the divine feminine, of love, understanding, compassion, insight, intuition, creativity, forgiveness, healing, and wisdom. That's the place I want to live. And the reason that we do affirmative prayer is that we invoke, we call into our experience these qualities. Or we can call into our So if we're not doing prayer work, if we don't have spiritual practice, we're still invoking we're still using the, the vehicle of our mind to create an experience in our lives because this infinite intelligence, as Holmes talked about, Dr. Ernest Holmes talked about, is always impressing upon this infinite law that always says yes. And so you see people with habitual patterns. You see people, we all know people that have addictions. We all know people that have gone off the rails with, with, with various substance abuses or, or behaviors that don't align with, with, a, with a, a larger experience of life. So there's a limitation that happens. And so the divine feminine, the co-creation, the third kingdom of consciousness is about the vibrational tone of giving birth to newness. And what I realized in my own journey with this community after 10 years is I saw some of the same patterns bubbling up again that were bubbling up when I got here. Some of the same problems or some of the same limitations that were when I came here and said, well, we want you to come and fix all this stuff. And I was stupid enough to think I could. You know, oh yeah, here I am, here I am to save the day. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't work that way. I have more than one song, by the way. Paul Pringle used to say, all you have is that one song. So, it's, it, it's, it's wonderful to, be, to, to, thank you so much for allowing me to continue to do my learning with, me, with you, in front of you, publicly. Because what's happened is I either stay the course and I either continue to do my own learning and my own, my own challenges, or uh, number one, I can quit. Number two, I can go somewhere else and just do it all over again and then get to this point again and then quit and go somewhere else. And, and that's a popular idea. <laughs> but I just thought, you know what? I can go away. I can run away because this hurts sometimes really, really bad. But if I don't stand it and if I don't do my work, what good am I? You know, all the stuff I'm talking about, if, we don't, if I don't have the courage to stand with you and to give birth to the, not only the, the divine masculine but the divine feminine within myself, then, you know, then I'm just, I'm talking about it. I'm not talking from it. And that doesn't interest me. I want to live what Dr. Holmes, I want to live from that, that, that precious spiritual reality and truth to the best of my ability. And I want to be of service because what I know about life is that once you move into the third kingdom, it's all about service. It's all about service. I have a, um, we were at a, a board meeting. I should pick this up. I should take a drink of it now that I haven't. 
Anyway, um, um, we had a, at, our, at our board meeting, we have a uh, new board and wonderful one. I'm really excited. We have just wonderful energy. We had a wonderful past board. It's not that it, it's better, but it's just new. There's newness. A lot of new ideas, a lot of fresh consciousness, a lot of people that see the possibilities and potential from new, with new eyes. And so at the board meeting, it came up, my job description said, you know, take care of the, f- the facility. And um, so we started talking about that, and we said, we, we need to change that, because basically you're, you're the janitor and handyman. And um, so one of the board, new board members says, well, you're always saying you're a master carpenter. And, I, and, and what I've, I've said from Marcia and Lloyd's, Lloyd's uh, Strom and Marcia Sutton is that what we say, we become. So I, we have to be important about what we say. What we hear, we forget. What we see, we remember. What we say, we become. That's why our prayers set out loud are so much more potent. And so now my declaration is I'm a master carpenter, but I'm even a better delegator. <laughs> so it's just a subtle shift called to my attention, right? But anyway, so compassion. I have a neighbor that's always asking me. I've done a lot of work on my, my home. over. And when, see, when I get stressed, I build something. So I've got the bathroom torn out right now. Actually, my wife agreed with this. Laura was in agreement. But I have the bathroom tour on. And she said to me, well, great, because she said to me, going in the middle of the winter, she said, what are you doing this year? And I said, well, I'm going to do the ba- redo the bathroom. And she said, well, great, well, I'll help you with yours, and then you'll help me with mine. And what she was saying was, you do yours, and then come over and do mine, because she's not going to really help me. And I thought, mm, I'm not committing to this, because I, I want to extend compassion, but also want to take a stand for myself. Because a few years ago, I would have said, oh, sure. And then I would have been to two bathrooms at one time. And I realized, no, you know what? That's not, that doesn't set well with me. But anyway, the other day, she asked me, she's trying to, to drill a hole in the wall for a dryer vent. Wanted to move the dryer. And so I loaned her my hole saw, which is a big bit. It's about four inches round, and you drill it in the drywall, and it makes a really nice hole. And so she's drilling, and some people are nodding. But what happens if you hit something hard, it binds. And then the, the drill, if you're hanging onto it, will take your hand and ram it into whatever's close by, which happened to be we were right by the floor as she was drilling, and, and it took her hand and slammed her hand down on the floor. So I hear this. So I gave her my drill bit. I thought, great, I'm done. I've done my piece. I'm offered compassion. I've offered support, but I'm not over there doing all of it. And all of a sudden, about an hour later, I hear it can you come over and help me for a second? And so I walked over and she was holding her hand and her thumb was about three times its normal size. And she said, it, it bound up on me. And I said, oh, here, give me it. I'll fix it for you. And so I stick my hand down in there and I'm drilling away. And wouldn't you know, it binds on me. And all of a sudden, my thumb is three times the normal size. And so I went, <laughs> I went home and I said, man, I'm in the middle of all this work. And now I'm down to one hand. And I thought, I don't think it's broken, but it's, you know how it hurts when you do that. I don't know if you've ever heard, but I... So I'm standing there, and it's throbbing, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and, and it's, it's almost, I can almost see the knuckle now. It's the knuckles coming back, going down. So I know I'm fine, but anyway, the next morning I got up, and she's over there, and I said, how you doing? And she said, and she, here she comes out, and she's got the thing wrapped up in this great big bandage. And she said, I broke it in two places. I thought, oh my gosh. And I said, are you still in pain? And she said, no. And then I I said, well, this is just the comedy of errors, isn't it? I mean, here I was going over, going to help her, end up almost breaking my thumb, break her thumb. And I just thought, isn't it interesting? I had so much resistance around this. The energy that I brought to what I was doing, it really wasn't an uh, an offering of... of, uh, 
I went over there in frustration and, and, and got back what I was giving. So I just thought it was, and now we, I said, we're, we're members of the Thumbsy Club now. We can have something in common. This whole idea of the divine feminine, nurturing, love, understanding, compassion, insight, intuition, creativity, forgiveness. I love all those ideas, healing, wisdom. And yet, that little incident I had with my neighbor, I wanted to offer all that stuff. You want to just give and give and give and be generous. And, but how, and, and so I didn't bring mindfulness to it. I didn't bring awareness to it. It was one more task. It was, let's get it done. And I'm really glad I didn't break my thumb. Someone told me after the first uh, lesson, it was a two thumbs up talk, by the way. I said, thanks. Thank you so much. But I was, I was on the uh, internet the other day and I found a, a couple of beautiful stories I wanted to share with you about, about uh, this idea of offering the divine feminine, what it looks like in the world. Because it's not just moms. When I met Laura, and by the way, she, she went home today. She, she, for, she's not feeling well. She got here and we did the opening. We did our prayer circle in the morning and then she had to go home. So we'll include her in our prayers. Just something going on. So she's home sleeping. But when I met her, our son Max, my stepson, uh, who's now started his residency at the University of Alberta, and uh, we're really excited because they test, didn't know all this stuff till you have a medical student and he could go anywhere in Canada, so he ended up getting Alberta, which was great because there's two positions open in his specialty and he was able to get one, so he's staying put for a while. And he's actually getting married in June, so we're excited about that. Yep. And so, so, but when, when I met her, after school, Max played baseball almost every night. Every, he was, and he would love playing baseball, and he was a catcher. And, and so Max is in the Enneagram, if anyone knows the Enneagram, he's a one, and ones are perfectionists. So he's perfect, he's got the perfect makeup for a doctor, because I want somebody that's perfectionist doing surgery on me. But when he, he, so he was always, come on, mom, we got to get to the game. We're going to be late. We're going to be late. So he was always about not being late. And he always had to get there a half hour early because he was the catcher. And he had all this gear. So he had this great big bag. He didn't just have a glove and his spikes. He had the glove and his spikes and his, his knee pads and his chest pads and his shoulder pads and his helmet and his mask and this big bag of equipment. And so here's Max, you know, carrying it. And he's always been the littlest guy on the team. And it takes after his mom. And Max would... Um, Max would uh, bring his stuff in and, and, and meticulously um, put it all together, get ready, and then he was always the last one out. And I'd watch Laura, and every day, without fail, she would just sit there and watch Max. She'd sit there through the whole game, so when I first met Laura, I would sit at the games with her, and we would talk and watch Max play baseball. And it was a pretty frequent occurrence. If he wasn't playing, he was practicing. But I just, it was just interesting to watch how you know, she had created that space for him to, to do what he loved. And it was just a beautiful thing to watch and be part of. And I know that, there, that, go, that activity goes on for so many. For so many moms, that t- you know, the hockey moms and all the stuff that happens that we care about our children and want them to have the experience. There's that piece of, of, being, of mothering, of nurturing that is just so important. And I, know, and I know fathers that do it as well. You know, it's not gender specific. I was on the internet and I, was, I found a young man by the name of, a uh, story about a, man named, a young man named Craig Kielberger. And you may have heard of him. He's from Toronto. 
1995, he was looking through the Toronto Star to find the comics, and he found a story of a, a young boy in India that had, at the age of four, was sold into slavery. And then for six years, he was tied to a, a, a loom to make rugs. And so from the time he was four until the time he was ten, he was there, basically um, a slave making rugs. And so he saw this, and he said, we need to do something. He was 12 years old. And this inspired him to, so he went to India, and he met this young man. His name was uh, Iqbal Mashi. And he met Iqbal, and they started to have the conversation, and they started to figure out how we could change this. Because in India, there's 55 million unemployed adults. There's 55 million children in a similar situation to this young boy at the time. And so Craig started to have this conversation, look at it as a 12-year-old, and he, started to, he brought a group of his classmates together, and they started to get ideas, and they started to formulate things. In the meantime, uh, Iqbal was, became a spokesperson for shifting this in India. And when he was 12, his life ended. And I don't have the details of it, but it wasn't from natural causes. He was a spokesperson, and he was rattling the, the, the status quo, and it was not a, a popular idea. But Craig kept going. And now uh, he created a foundation that you may have heard of called Free the Children. And so what Free the Children does is they take resources, and they free children from, pro- from poverty, they free children from exploitation, they free children from the notion that they are powerless. Because when we're, in, when we're in victim consciousness, the notion that we are powerless is the only world we know. And so what these children have done, this whole movement touched a, a nerve with children. There's now two million volunteers involved with Free the Children. Two million. They, they offer their lunch money. They offer whatever they have. They, their budget is now $30 million a year. And the two million volunteers are primarily below the age of 18. They had an event in Vancouver a while back. They call it's a We Day, and they get together and they, all the, all of the children that have volunteered and, and, and given their resources to support this movement come together. And there's a rally and there's singers and and there's wonderful. Uh, it's a day of inspiration to say thank you to all these kids. Twenty thousand children showed up in Vancouver, and I believe it's the stadium there that holds the, the whatever holds 20,000 people. But an amazing, so they're active in 45 countries. But here's this young man that saw a problem, that, and then when his friend passed away, he knew, he said, I just had to keep going. I had to do this work. You know, I, I talk a lot about, you hear me talk about, we've done Prosperity Plus a number of times here. And I know that the challenge is that there have been a lot of times, in, especially in spiritual community, where the, the trust has been violated, where ministers and, and leaders have gotten up and said, you know, we need your support, we need your resources, and then at some point it goes off the rails. And all of a sudden there's, a, there's an impropriety. But what I want to tell you is, is that what happens is that we sometimes confuse, and ministers do this, they confuse greed with abundance. And abundance is simply the opportunity to have enough in our life so that we can be part of something other than just our basic survival. And so the, one of the reasons that I teach prosperity principles here is because I want you to experience the fullness of life. 
And when we're locked in ways of thinking and behaving that limit our opportunity to have resources in our life enough so that we can be of service and we can do something different in the world besides fulfilling our own needs, it can be quite wonderful. And so when I talk about the kingdoms of creation, number one is victim consciousness, where these children are, are exploited and they really don't have a choice. They need someone to step up and say, hey, you know what? There's a different possibility. Let me help you with that. So they're doing exactly, they're doing in many ways more impactful than the things that, we, that, that I know I talk about, but I see it in that activity. And in the second kingdom of consciousness is manifestation. It's setting an intention. It's doing our prayer work about having a bigger, fuller expression of life. But the only reason for those two kingdoms to, to master those or to work more proficiency in those areas is to have the freedom to be of service. But when we don't have the abundance to do that, then we're stuck in those other kingdoms. There's a wonderful, um, I didn't know this either, I saw a story about African mercy. It's a ship, there's ships that, that sail the west coast of Africa and they go in and they do these amazing surgeries with people. There's a condition in Africa where people are untreated, where the, the enamel in the tooth gets so... Um, big and in, in the west it's removed the doctors deal with it all the time but in, in, in these conditions where there are no dentists and no doctors and oral surgeons the condition um, gets exasperated and the, the facial uh, face gets disfigured and it's just quite quite um, troubling to look at but in the cultures what they believe is that these people have been cursed they don't think of it as a medical condition well this ship goes in and they do these surgeries they've been doing them for years and they remove the, the growth they re, and they come back over time and they work with these patients and they restructure their, their, their facial bones and, so that they can have a life. Because in their villages, they're shunned because they've been cursed. So they have to go at night and rummage for food and they're not allowed to come out into the to population. All of these superstitions. These people go in, they do these surgeries. There are people in, the, in these, these villages that go in that have had cataracts for years. They've been blind by cataracts. These ships show up, they bring the people on board, they do a, a surgery, and within 24 hours, their eyesight is restored. So when Jesus said, these things I have done, ye shall do an even greater, there's an example of it. We always think of it as the pixie dust. You know, he was just spitting in his hands and mixing it with dirt and putting it on their eyes, and they were healed. But I believe that's what he meant when he said that. So here's, and the, the amazing thing is these people are doctors and nurses. They are paid nothing. In fact, they pay their own way to be there. So they find the funds and they find some way of having the, a, a way to be supported so that they can be there to be of service. What an interesting idea. So when we talk about abundance, that's the abundance I'm talking about. To have enough in our lives, get our needs met so we can go give our gifts wherever it may be. When I went with John of God, John of God's been doing this work for 50 years. I knew nothing about it. All I see, the, the sensationalized stuff of people, these Kelly clamps going up people's nose and these surgeries he does. It is such a small part of that, and he does that for people that ask for it, because they need to have their resistance broken down. So they know intuitively that's important for them. But it's about breaking down the resistance and being open to what's available, which is this, this vibration of unconditional love. He's done the same thing in his life. Takes no money from that work. He, he supports himself outside the work, and in his whole life is about being of service. So it's fascinating when we watch what's happening on the planet. This Craig, uh, Craig uh, Kielberger, Free the Children. I mean, if you go on the website, all of this stuff they're doing. Schools, clean water, education, sanitation, standing up for people that are exp against people that are exploiting youth, child labor, all kinds of things happening. And this is his life mission. 
That's the divine feminine. This African mercy, these ships, these people pay to be there. There's one doctor there that's been there 26 years. And his wife's there and his two children. They live in a 600-square-foot cabin on the ship. And they were interviewing her for the interview. And and she said, my husband did an interview. The doctor did an interview for a television program. And in the interview, they asked him, how long is he going to stay and do this? And he said, forever. And his wife said, I had no idea that's what we were doing. (laughs) I found out through the interview. But it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch how passionate these people are about being there and being of service. So when we talk about giving birth to the divine feminine, the reason that, we, that I've been so passionate about this, this shifting, the shifting the prosperity consciousness within your lives and within the life of this community is I think we're called to a bigger idea than just coming and getting our needs met. And we have to do that. It's not a bad thing. But at some point in time, what I know is it's, 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 it's vitally important to be part of a different conversation and a different vision, a possibility. And that's our opportunity. One of the reasons that, you know, I have to tell you, I, I ran for the leadership council uh, a year ago. I was just reelected. I had the one-year term. Now I have a three-year term. One of the reasons that I ran for it is I desperately wanted to be, I wanted to be part of a conversation other than what was happening here. Because for a long time, I felt like I wasn't doing a good job. And there were a lot of fingers being pointed at me, and we were stuck in kingdom two, which is I can always do better. And I know that. But people were making it their mission to impress that upon me. And I realized I just longed to be part of a conversation other than I, I feel like I had to defend myself. I had people telling me that, you know, your reputation is in danger here. I had somebody telling me to do one thing on one hand and one exact opposite on the other. And both of them were saying, you know, your reputation is in danger here. And what I had to say to myself was, I guess I'm going to have to give up my attachment to my reputation. Because I can't do this and I can't do that. And all it was was somebody's perceptions of what I needed to be doing. It was like, I love this person, I love this person. I can't do both. So I guess I get to remove myself from that small idea and just be of service. And I wanted to be part of a bigger conversation. Because I know I have, I have room to grow. We all do. It's a given. But I'm about that business. And you know what? You and I get to decide who we do that work with. And it's typically not the one that's giving you the, the, uh, uh, the creative criticism. Or the, uh... But it's the journey we're on. It's the journey, journey that we're all on. And so this Mother's Day, for me, is really about giving birth to that divine feminine. For all you moms that have sat at your hockey games and your, and your, your, your whatever the activity is, girl guides, and all the things that you do and continue to do, God bless you. The Dalai Lama said that the world's problems will be solved by the Western woman. The world's problems will be solved by the Western woman. It is the divine feminine, it is that nature, it is that quality that is so powerful and needed on this planet. And we're part of that movement. And I'm proud to stand with you as part of this tribe of light, of compassion, of love, of forgiveness, of intuition, grace, and our spiritual nature. That's why we get up and say we honor all sacred traditions. You find everything that we have in all of the traditions. It doesn't matter what tribe we belong to, and yet people make the tribe the thing. The tribe is not the thing. Or our group is not the thing. What's important is where we can share our love, share our gifts, share our talents, and make a difference in the lives of our family, our friends, our community, and ultimately the world. 
And that's our opportunity. That's our possibility. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be part of. So I thank you on this Mother's Day for all the love that you've expressed, continue to express. I thank you for making a difference in the world. I thank you for being part of movements that we don't even know are happening. But we're energetically we're part of it. So reaching for the highest thought possible. That was the message I got from Brazil. Always, your job, my job, always reach for the highest thought possible. We have to do our 50%. We say our prayers, we do our spiritual work, and then we go out in the world to make a difference. It's not just praying and getting the ideal and then waiting for God to drop the whatever it is into our laps. It's about taking our God-given talents and expressing them and using them. So I thank you for doing that. I thank you for a wonderful, beautiful day. Give your moms a hug if they're still around. And if they're not, they're still with you. They're still with you. Blessings.